Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. All right, let's let's try this again. I'm going to try and be enthusiastic. Okay, ready? Okay. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Hello and welcome to this. It is the most enthusiastic rugby podcast on the planet, the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast. We don't take ourselves or the game too seriously. I am sat in studio with my dear friend Phil. How are you, Phil? Hello, Jonathan. I'm very well, thank you. And down the line, sipping Negronis in a shipping container. <laughs> Alone. It sounds rather sad, actually. It's Tim Cocker. How are you? <laughs> Very well. And yeah, I have an announcement to make. I'm not coming back physically into the rugby dungeon until I have an upgrade on my chair. It's a protest. Oh, I think you might be getting an upgrade on your chair soon, mate. Yeah, even an even more padded seat than the two that we're sat on. And we're not going to say any more about it than that. I will say, though... No. Watch I, this space. I will say, Phil, you look magnificent today, mate. Thank you very much, JB. Does this uh, colour of green and yellow, this particular shade of green and yellow, really bring out my eyes? It does, actually. It does. And the best part about the Egg Chasers rugby top, which you're wearing now, is it brings out everybody's eyes. Absolutely. Everybody's eyes look nicer in Egg Chasers, Chasers rugby tops. So if, you, if you're True. interested in getting one, get yourself to akumashops.com slash eggchasers, and you can pick from the... The pro-fit or the retro-fit jerseys? Can I just say, I, like, I, I've got one single solitary proud tear rolling down my cheek the way you two have just bossed all of the all of the nuts and bolts together. I'm, I'm like a proud dad. Oh, <laughs> thanks, Tim. That's Beautifully nice. done. It's only taken nearly six years for us to do a <laughs> three-minute intro without messing it up. Uh, and can I say, like professionals, we've actually written a running order so we don't forget to say things. Well, well, can I just check then if if, if JB's taken uh, done the uh, setup so quickly? Can I just check that we're definitely recording? Hang on a minute. Yes, we are. We are. I can confirm. <laughs> oh, well done. Oh. Good work. So I'm not feeling great today, boys. I really am not. With too many Negronis last night. No, no. There is a so-called cocktail bar in Didsbury that doesn't sell Negronis. What? That's horrified. But I did go to a place called the Head of Steam in Didsbury, which is one of these places that prides itself on all the beers it has. It has loads of beers. Literally ordered two of the most disgusting beers I've ever had. <laughs> two sour uh, Belgian beers. Salty Kiss? Uh, go on. No, worse. Might, might even be worse than Salty Kiss. What? Yeah. Um, they were absolutely horrendous, followed by, like, it came in a bottle. I think it's a Tim Timmermans beer. It's dreadful. So the Tinnamans, they do the fruit beers, don't they? That's exactly what they do. So the extremely sour, was, um, fruity beers. I had a beer this weekend um, called Buttcum. <laughs> Sorry, so? 
And um, how did that Bank taste? <laughs> um, frothy. Nice, nice. No, it was. It was uh, from a, Stra- a brewery in Stroud in Gloucestershire, local brewery near where my friend lives. <laughs> and um, when I saw but- Buckcomb, I-, I thought, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll try it, just <laughs> for, for the same reason that you did, just to try and find the most disgusting beer. But do you know where it does sell Negronis? Um, no, go on, tell me. The Stoop. The, uh, the Stoop in the, in the Maserati. Where? Yeah, Allianz Park at Michael Rhodes' Gin Bar. Wow! Nice yeah, play. We got a picture sent to at, yeah. We got a picture sent to at Rugby Podcast by Tom Haslam, uh, holding up his Negroni with the the, uh, the game going on at Saracens in the background. And Michael Rhodes has a gym bar, and uh, he will occasionally be there when he's not playing. Be there serving you Negroni. Amazing. So it's what? spreading. It's spreading. J- James Bamford also sent us a Negroni pre-dessert, which I wasn't sure about. Pink grapefruit Negroni with basil and ginger. Not Negroni. How do you feel about that? Mm, not Negroni. Yeah. No. Not, not particularly happy James with Hager, it. James Hager's been listening to the podcast, as has Paul Millen been listening to the podcast, uh, as has Will Wobb um, been listening to the podcast. All tried their first Negroni this week, all immediately regretted their decision. Excellent. That's exactly what I like to hear. <laughs> well, I tell you who won't be drinking Negronis this week. Newcastle Falcons, sadly. Uh, well, I'm going to say Israel Falau. <laughs> <laughs> he might, well, he might be. We'll talk about him later. They do say gin is good for grief, don't they? Yeah, mother's ruin. So may- maybe it's best to get on the Negronis. They'll certainly feel like they've been drinking Negronis, <laughs> but they won't. They won't be drinking any. <laughs> Poor Newcastle, they've gone. I know. It did for the last few weeks. It has felt like a matter of time. Uh, unfortunately, it happened this week. So I looked at the Newcastle situation and I thought, right, this is basically a four-chapter book now. There are four independent events that need to happen to make sure that they stay up. One would be on Friday night, making sure that uh, Leicester don't get, don't, get, don't, don't get a bonus point. I thought, if that, if that just comes off, they'll, they'll be fine. And then it didn't. Right in the last play, I thought, that's, that's it. They're done now. They're gone. No matter what they do tomorrow, they're gone. Yeah. They, they were in an impossible p- position before that game. And then going against Gloucester, mm. and the way that it played out. Unfortunately, the way that it played out was Newcastle. Um, a lot of good stuff came through Mickey Young, who they've missed for a lot of the season, yeah. and through Dunbar, um, who's obviously new to the team. But those two injected a bit of a spark into the team, and so they they played some good stuff. Mm. Unfortunately, they didn't play enough good stuff, and then the Matt Banahan intercept. Oh, just, devastating, wasn't it? Yeah, that 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 was really the final nail in the coffin. What can they? What looking back at the season can Newcastle learn? Um, it's is interesting because I think they'll be looking back and trying to draw comparisons to what went right last season. Yeah, and there's a lot of the squads the same. They've had a few injuries that they've suffered this year. They have lost a few players in the pack. They've lost a few experienced old heads in the pack. And I think that's probably those tight games when you want the old heads to to make the right decisions, not just whether to go for posts or go for the corner, but in-game decisions, whether to hit a rook, whether to carry, whether to risk an offload or whether to just to put your head down. They've perhaps missed some of that, so they've ended up losing some of the close games. But, But also for much of the season they just haven't been good enough. So some of their other old heads who have stayed there, um, someone like Flood, for example, mm. has not given as much as he 
perhaps could or should have done to that team. He has been disappointing, I've got to say. And it's, it's, it's always easy. If you've, got a, if you've got a team that are losing, it's always easy to say the 10's disappointing. But I, I would have... It would have been nice to see a bit more from Flood throughout the season. What one interesting moment in the season, which was um, I'm, not, I'm not taking any credit for this. It was actually something that um, Loris Delalio highlighted, or, or one of the team on BT Sport on the Bath game when they were talking about the relegation. They highlighted the third game in the European Cup, where having beaten Montpellier and beaten Toulon, yeah, mm-hmm. Newcastle picked the scratch side to go to Edinburgh, got absolutely walloped. And they never recovered their form after that point. Yeah, I, I do you know. I also think that last year might have been a might be a little bit deceiving for them. I mean, obviously it's because they're relegated now. But I wonder if when they were reviewing their team this off season, if the overachievement from the season before maybe meant that they didn't address the needs which they particularly needed to. Yeah, it probably did. Paper was some crack, some some very good results, going narrow results going their way last season, yeah. which have gone the other way this season. But also, we've said it before: if you are a kind of generic lower mid table team, which Newcastle have been for a number of years, yeah. if you somehow find yourself in the top six, and the following year you're playing in the big boys competition, and you are travelling to Montpellier, you're travelling to Toulon, albeit. I'll call you back in a sec, boys. Hold on, sorry. Okay. Are you doing real work? Sounds like it. Ca- uh, carry on. Yeah, if when you find yourself in the big boys competition, you've you've got to go for it in the big boys competition, which means you don't always get your. If you've not got the squad depth, your players don't get the right rest, they don't get the right balance, yeah. and you end up burning out. And we've seen it a few years ago when Sale got into the top six, and in the following season they were fighting for relegation. We have seen that kind of thing before. So yeah, it, I mean. Mm. With the with the Champions Cup, the thing which struck me is when they played in it, they didn't even look out of place. I mean, they no, didn't, no, they didn't not only not look out of place; they looked really, really good. And they, they as, as we, Tim just said, they beat Montpellier, yeah. they beat Toulon. I wonder if we'll ever see a team go down again who has wins under their belts against teams like Toulon and like Montpellier. I mean, <sighs> could you imagine any? Can you, you imagine London Welsh <laughs> beating Toulon and Montpellier? Well, it's interesting because the two times that London Welsh got up into the Premiership, they got hammered both times. But that that it feels like that just couldn't happen now. Yeah. Because you've now got... Now, that happened because it took Bristol so long to get their act together from when they previously got relegated to where they are now. Now, Bristol have got their act together. London Irish have got their act together. Newcastle, I have no doubt, Newcastle will retain a good chunk of that squad... They retain the right chunk of that squad. The statement said they were going to um, retain Dean Richards. So they're going to have the foundations so they can come straight back up, but not just come straight back up. They're going to come straight back up and be competitive. So I just can't see, unless unless something financially goes wrong with the club, I can't see one of those 13 teams ever having as bad a time as London Welsh did. Therefore, I actually can see that kind of problem happening again. Yeah. Not not regularly, but maybe once every five years, you could get someone who finishes top four or top six and then dropping out the following season. I think you're obviously right, because as I've pointed out with Newcastle, I mean, it is heartbreaking for their fans. Imagine being the owner, by the way. I mean, you buy this club, 
Not because it makes a profit, because it's you know a fairly prestigious thing to own. I think yes, I've cracked it. Top four. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. only it's... only good times from now on. <laughs> no, the, then, the only way is up. Yeah, I mean you're gonna have. To, I would probably probably at this point want to sell. Because I've been down, <laughs> I've come up, we've done the things the right way, we've got a good team, a good director of rugby, and now we're relegated. And I think, do you know what, I, I have done everything I can, I just want to sell this thing though. Yeah, that that won't happen. Did you read the statement they released pretty much straight after the game? Uh, yes, basically, everything's going to remain the same, see you in a year. Pretty much, yeah. It, talking, as I said before, about the... The foundations, the strength of the team, the leadership and the management management uh, structure is going to remain in place. So, I think it's, I do, th- I think it's very positive position considering the the drop. Well, any one of the teams above them, any one of them, I just look at them and think they're all too good to go down. But no one is too good to, to go down. Though that's how no. strong the league is, and no one is too good. I know I've referenced this before, but Leicester. Um, got a lucky decision against Wasps yeah. four or five weeks ago. Yeah, they really did. Wasps, who got an unlucky decision this week, mm. but had had Leicester not got that lucky decision and had one just one game gone Newcastle's way, um, we would still be fighting. We would still have an uncertain position going into the final week and a team as big and high profile with the history of Leicester really actually could have gone down. And it, it happened in, I think, 2004 5 when Harlequins went down. Happened when Northampton Saints went down in 7. Um, Both teams have subsequently won the Premiership yes. since coming back. Yes. So it, it's not always bad. Now, those, those two have more of a kind of fan base and more of a kind of historic structure behind than someone like Newcastle. But the way that the league is set up and the way that the um, salary cap is defined means that. It is more of a. It's not a completely level playing field, but it's much more of a living level playing field. I've had an idea. It's just just one of the things. Things that I'm. In fact, I've got two ideas. Okay, so first idea is, what would you say if the rules dictate that when you come up, you could not be relegated for three years? I'd love to go back and see which other team would then be relegated if the team that was promoted couldn't get relegated for three years. Interesting, yeah. Um, now it would have caused a problem because that awful, that horrible London Welsh team would have stayed in and got eighty to one hundred point beatings for three consecutive years. Yes, they, that would happen. <laughs> but mind you, maybe you need three years to, if, as a London Welsh because everyone, you know, the team that's coming back up is London Irish, so they're actually just an established Premiership outfit who are returning. Yeah. They'll be Newcastle. I mean, there is nobody in the Championship now outside of those guys. Those. Thirteen teams that can come that, that can come back up. The, it's you, sort of ring fenced itself in in a way. Well, it kind of has because they are the the, the the properly professional with the academies. Yeah, that they've got so much kind of history and structure behind them. Now it's interesting to see what other clubs like Ealing. Do you see the Premiership? They won the Championship Cup or whatever it's called. Yeah, they, yeah. they beat London Irish. They beat London week. Irish. Yeah. Um, so. They're a team who would like to... Well, I'm, I'm sure any team in that division would like to do an Exeter. Yeah. But they're a team who are actually f- funding it and building structures to to potentially at one stage get to a position where they can do that. But you're right, I think certainly for the next few years, until one of those other teams takes the step up, 
you have got 13 teams playing in a 12-team league. Um, the other thought I had is that it should definitely be Leicester Tigers going down because I think it'd be, I think that should be quite good for them. It'd be dynamite for the championship. I, I mean, yeah. they would be rubbing their hands now at the thought of Leicester coming to town. Oh, yeah, because the, your gate receipt... So a club like Newcastle or like Bristol or like London Irish, they will bring... So it will always be a draw if Doncaster or um, Richmond or whoever... If they're playing those teams, it will always be a draw. Yeah. It's not as much of a draw to play Newcastle as it is to play Leicester. No, not at all. It's, it is a imagine, big deal. Imagine playing for Isha or someone and then going to Welford Road. Yeah. That'd be that'd be amazing. I bet Welford Road would still be packed. I, like It just feels like it'd be better if Tangs went down because they'd be better able to deal with it. The, the, the fans would probably enjoy it. They wouldn't admit, like to admit it, but they'd probably enjoy it. Whereas Newcastle have done this before. And it, it, would, it would definitely force Leicester to look at themselves and do some proper analysis of where things are going wrong, where do they need to alter their playing structure, their management structure, their recruitment structure, and all the rest of it. But they live to fight another day and yeah. another season. My guess is Leicester will just sub- supplement what they already have with just layers and layers of management. If, if that's, what I, <laughs> that's what I would do in that situation. More management. Yeah. More management, please. Yeah, and a more opaque uh, reporting hierarchy as well. Excellent. Uh, real, real flat. <laughs> and yet also real, real vertical too. Yeah, yeah, because everyone reports into everyone else, but no one knows who reports to who. No one, yeah, I want everyone to have some... Like, some responsibility with, with the role, but with no accountability. Yeah. <laughs> the ideal. Um, now, let's just move things on to... Let's talk about the sale game, because Tim's not here, so he, so he can't stop <laughs> us. Did you watch the sale game? Uh, I've seen the extended highlights today. Now, you might think it's weird for me to bring up, you know, when the Pro 14 have just had their playoffs and all the rest of it, this game. But I wanted to talk about it, because... <laughs> I don't think th- anyone is thinking that's weird. It's pretty weird. Um... Some of the most bizarre refereeing decisions I've ever seen in my life. So, I've seen the disallowed try uh, for Leua. Yep. Where there were some scuffles between Sheedy and Ashton. Yeah. Now, I think he's got the he's made the right decision, as in, I don't think it should have been a try. I think he's got the right decision. I think, he, I think the right outcome happened. I think the decision he made couldn't explain... The try being disallowed. No. Because he gave a penalty... To Bristol. To Bristol, even though Bristol had just scored. So yeah, you, can't, you can't do that... Oh, well, yeah. I wouldn't think you should be able to do that and disallow the try. So, a couple of things here. Number one, okay, I thought Sheedy started it. Sheedy, from what I've seen... It does look like Sheedy starts it, doesn't it? So, from what I've seen, Sheedy starts it, Ashton then does some pushing, Sheedy then finishes it by pulling... Ashton's jersey over his head. Yeah. So, so, so unless you're going to give a penalty against Sheedy, then a penalty against Ashton, then another penalty against Sheedy. Yeah. So uh, let's then just go back that, to that because I've, I've realised if, if you if you didn't watch Bet Three Six Five to you know watch the sale game, you <laughs> might you <laughs> might not have seen this game. So I'll just explain what happened. The ball gets kicked to Sale. Sale then kick the ball back. Callum Sheedy, who is the Bristol fly off, barges into Chris, into Chris Ashton, handbags it into you because they're scrapping on the floor as such. It ends up with Ashton with his top over his head. The guy from Bristol, his name, the winger? Alapetti Lewa. Yeah, basically beats one, beats one defender in the space where Chris Ashton should be, he isn't there and scores. Matt Corley then goes, reviews the decision. Decides that Chris Ashton started the fight, 
and therefore it should come back for a Bristol penalty try disallowed. Well, he doesn't say that Ashton starts it, but he says that he, he gives the final penalty against Ashton. Yeah, it's bizarre. Which, which is the weird bit. So if it, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt, and I'm going to say, look, he saw the video better than I did. He's an experienced referee. He is correct. Ashton started it. I don't think that, but let's just say Ashton started it, right? So am I to get this right? Ashton started a fight with a 20-year-old fly half which he lost, and therefore Bristol can't have a try. <laughs> is that how you summarise that? Uh, yes, but only because if that was the scenario, which I don't think it is, because um, in that scenario, Searle reacted. So he gives a penalty away. Uh, so uh, so the, the latter, the, the, the latest penalty from that scuffle should be the Billy Searle penalty for pulling Ashton's jersey over his head. But that's not the yeah, way... Yeah, so, it so if Ashton starts it, it should be penalty reversed. If Searle starts it, it should be penalty reversed. Yeah, and I actually think... I think the the order of interaction between those two... Sorry, this is going really niche on this decision, which a lot of people won't have seen. But it's an amazing decision. It is. It a is. try was disallowed, and the team is missing, is missing a try and the win, as it turns out. But, but they get the penalty. That's the unusual bit. Yeah. So, uh, absolutely. So, Matt Carley is <laughs> a very precise referee. Okay, that's that's his style. He's very much letter of the law. So, you get those weird things like we had with that. Did you see the end of the game? Not in any detail. All right. So, riddle me this. The, the time has expired, okay, when the ball crosses the dead ball line from a penalty kick. That, to me, is game over. Would you agree? If time has expired... Time has expired by the time the ball crosses the line, okay, crosses the dead ball line out of the field of play. So he's missed He's missed the penalty kick yeah. out of the field of play. Uh, I would say yes, but they did change the rule around kicking for touch and penalties. If the penalty was given before the clock runs dead, yeah. even if then the, the clock elapses you've got time for another line-out. Yeah, so not to disadvantage the attacking team, but what we're talking about is kicking four posts. Yeah. Right. So Matt Carley's interpretation of this is the time had not expired when Boots struck ball, and therefore it's a 22 dropout. Let the boys play. Well... Free rugby. This is what I was about to say. So, on the one hand, you've got this very peculiar thing which Bristol fans can't be happy with. I'm not, I'm not happy about it, and I'm a neutral... <laughs> but then you've got this really weird thing where he then allows the game to restart they take a drop out Sale get all the way to the Bristol 5 metre uh, I think no 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 what happens is they get all the way into, into Bristol's half Faf takes a kick because they uh, Sale win the penalty the kick bounces off the post Sale goes to 14 Bristol go touchline to touchline two or three times they coast get to coast coast to coast get to Sale's 5 metre line AJ, AJ McGinty magically steals the ball, ma magic AJ, uh, runs to halfway, and then thinks, enough of this, kicks it out. Remarkable end. One of the best ends to a game I have seen in a long time. All because Matt Colley's very precise. So, you know, sometimes it's a bit weird. In fact, it's all a bit weird, but it, let, it, it works. Let the boys play. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, given that we've spent five to ten minutes on a what is effectively a dead rubber in the Premiership... The, well, it was when they played it. Uh, true, but now looking at the table. Oh, hang on. Hi, Tim. Where's he? Hello, hello, hello. Hello. Have you have you read the hello. traffic weather and hello. news? 
don't know what you're talking about. This, I'm not doing this during my show. What are you I talking about? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Obviously, obviously, obviously. Yeah, d- mate, perfect, <sighs> perfect timing by you, because um, in the uh, 20 minutes that you've been away, we've, we've, we've just finished the sale game. <laughs> well, more, imp- <laughs> more importantly, we are just about to go on to Pro 14 quarterfinals. Even you're not, you're not joking, are you? You're not actually, you're actually not joking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, we're not joking. Sorry, mate. <laughs> you'll, you'll oh to, my word! <laughs> you'll, have to listen, you'll have to listen back. Um, yeah, All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the, like the Pro Fourteen. Um, Pro Fourteen. So we had, had two remarkable games, two quarterfinals. Yeah. So we had Munster, massive favourites hosting JB's beloved Benetton, massive <sighs> underdogs. In absolutely, not, not in my mind. I thought they were going to win this. I thought they were going to win it right until the end. And I, I laughed when you when you predicted them to win last week. I laughed. Have you watched them play? I mean, I, you have now. But no, I've, I've watched them play a few times this season, and they they are good. I, I just thought I they, thought anyone going to Munster was going to lose. Well, it seems like you were right. But um, I tell you what, of the, those two teams that played, only I, well, not only. I think Benetton will give a much better account of themselves against Leinster. Leicester is just basically a procession, though. Who can give Leicester the trophy fastest? Based on what I saw on Saturday afternoon, I wouldn't disagree. Yeah. I, I, I don't. Munster did not play particularly well at all. They were disrupted and held well. Benetton defended well and admir- admirably, um, and Munster were kind of forced into taking long-range penalties. Yeah, and not only that, I thought... But Come on, let's up. just talk about the last decision. There's not a lot, that, as you say, there's not a great deal to talk about oh, in Pro no, 14. I, I thought let's they just were talk. brilliant. Well, like, like, they, were, they were beating Munster up, they, they, they were making yards, basically yeah. as they pleased. Retuva, the winger. Yeah, he not is bad, is he? Not he bad. is class. Because his try, so he almost, got, he almost set up or scored another try, but his try, the passing was actually pretty poor. So he receives the ball slow behind him after three players have eaten up a load of space by drifting across and he still manages two or three monster defenders and he still manages to finish it that, that was a bit of magic but yeah. Tim, Tim you're probably right the rest of the game was le- all leading up to Nigel's big moment Ugh. well it was the wrong decision there's no choice about that I mean CJ Stunner does not win that penalty he's not supporting supporting his way yada 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 um, but I don't think that, that was the biggest moment in the game, for me, I think the biggest moment of the game was sort of Treviso deserved to lose. Uh, sorry, Benetton deserved to lose in the end because instead of going for the try, they tried to set up two stupid drop goals with a player who clearly is not qualified <laughs> to drop goal goal the ball. Uh, certainly not from the forty five meters out. Yeah, that he was. look what he did first time round. What, what, what do I do next, boys? Let's go longer. Yeah. <laughs> so in my mind, like they they were brilliant, but. When they went negative, and that's effectively what they did, they went very, 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 very narrow. They stopped trying to win yards, and you know you deserve to lose. If you do that, you deserve to lose. But it's disappointing. Good, great. It's disappointing to lose in that manner, though. Yeah. With uh, I, it was the wrong decision. It's, it is a remarkably good sign for Italian rugby. Though. I think that's it, the it, more important thing. It is, and I said this. I said this last week that, um, so Italy will get a big benefit out of playing games like this even losing games like this but playing and they'll get a much bigger benefit from being competitive in games like this if this had been a procession for Munster then they would have gotten nothing out of the game but being competitive right up to the last minute and seeing how much it hurts to lose a game like this 
by such narrow margins can only be good for Italy, uh, particularly in a World Cup year. Tim, have you got anything to add to uh, Benetton's mighty performance? Nothing whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, I've, we've done so. We've done um, Benetton. I, I think I'm done, boys, unless... Uh, I'd quite like to mention the other quarterfinal. Go on then. Let's, let's well, on. hold on. Can we just have, a, have, you, have, you t- have you touched on the Army Navy game? Have I touched on the Army Navy? Which, which, which was the, whoa, 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 that was whoa. the biggest rugby event of the weekend. Wait, 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 wait. Um, do you mean the? Do you mean the fact that the Air Force have won again? <laughs> in, the, they... in the women's competition, oh, congratulations! RF women's champion, first ever win over the army in twenty years. So uh, yeah. How about that? But they got, they got, but they got, but but the the the, uh, the RAF men got battered by the Navy. As I wear my Navy jersey tonight. Uh, didn't the, didn't the army men beat the Navy? The army, my boys, the army. They, they beat, did beat the Navy twenty-seven eleven. Yeah, the, uh, the Air Force weren't uh, weren't playing this week. Well, they were. They were winning the championship, but uh, yeah, the uh, the Air Force weren't playing. The men's the men's weren't. But more's the point on this one. More's the point on this one. Before this game, in the build-up. There was stories about extra police being drafted in. There's been more stories about the, the people that... who live out around Twickenham Stadium being unhappy and want the game moved to different venues because of um, the fans. Now, my experience of the Army-Navy game is that yet yeah, they drink more than any other group of rugby fans or any other group of human beings I've ever seen. Does sound like the armed forces but I know. They, <laughs> they, <laughs> they police themselves in my experience, incredibly well. It's always really good humoured, um, and, and and to be celebrated. So a, a little bit, of, a little bit of peeing in the street. Come on. Um, have you been to an Army Navy game, Tim? Yeah, years ago. Yeah, I've, I've, I've never been. I'd like to go. Yeah, I'd fancy it. The, the, uh, the... I went when I was playing with. Um, I was playing with da- uh, Damu Damu. Um, he went on to play for England Sevens, but uh, he was playing for the Na- he was playing for the Army when I was at Newbury. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they've got one at King's Home as well. They, I think they play a, a few fixtures there. But, um, yeah, I, there, there was, but you see lovely stories, like the, the there was a soldier, I think he does it every year, but he um, he went into a bar in Twickenham, bought nine that. pints, yeah. dr- drunk one himself, and then left a picture and a bit of information about eight of his com- uh, comrades who, who died in Afghanistan and left other people to drink the pint in their honour. Yes, yeah, it's, uh, um, it's quite heavy stuff actually. When you um, when you actually yeah, through the it is through the through the Twitter feed, it is yeah yeah. Um, but and, and just 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 on a couple of other, a couple of the newsy bits, if yeah, you yes, just wanted yes. to rattle through those, uh, Sakopi Sakopi Kapu's the latest signing announced for London Irish. Yeah, so the the, the prop thirty three year old Australian prop. Yeah, who, who went to Bordeaux and didn't do anything? That guy. Uh, also the guy who is a very, very handy uh, both scrummager and carry with ball in hand. I am pretty certain that his last stint in European rugby was less than stellar. Um, Does it feel a bit like an Owen Franks for London Irish? I never know whether I've got the right one. Is he the good one? Owen Franks is the good one. Yeah. Or the bad one. Ben Ben Franks you're talking about. Ben Franks. Does it feel a bit Ben Franks where they're going to spend a load of money and not get a lot of return? So... I think this is a, a much different signing. Really? I, I'm a I'm a big Kepu fan. I'm not. Not even slightly. I thought he had a really good World Cup. Um when, <laughs> four years ago. Yeah, four years ago. <laughs> so four four years ago when him and uh who was the other the, the other boy, they were working with Mario Ledesma and everyone was like, Yep, it's great. Australian scrimmaging is back. 
and it was largely built around him. Went over to France, didn't do particularly well. In fact, didn't do well at all. Went went back home again, and now I guess he's going to be eating up a large chunk of London Irish's salary cap. I don't think it's a good move. I think I'd be spending my money elsewhere. And I think I'm fact I'm very suspicious of most of London Irish's business so far. I think they are spending their money ill-advised. I, I think this is a good signing because. Mm. Corner, cornerstone of your team. I think he's still got a few good years left in him. Uh, he's got a few miles un, under the belt. He's got a 33 year old prop. Yeah. Well, good, okay, yeah. Yeah, he's yeah, a prop. Okay. He's not a 33 year old winger. winger. Yeah, 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 that uh, could work. Yeah. They're going to announce many more. Adam Coleman will get announced. Waisaki Naholo will get announced. Um, uh, Paddy Jackson will get announced. They're, they're signing loads. They're, they're in the Premiership. A quick, quick mention for Ealing Trailfinders beating London Irish in the Championship All, Cup. Already done it, mate. Final. Already done it. Oh, well done. Good, good. Good, good. good uh, Leicester, Tigers have, uh, Leicester Tigers have confirmed their Thomas Lavanini signing uh, from the Haguares. Also, um, uh, uh, talk about big props. 153 kgs, I think he is. Nephi Leah. Liatagaga or Liatagaga I don't, I don't know how the pronunciation is Love um, there you go and yeah exactly yeah, yeah he's a big old boy have you um, also um, just uh, just someone tweeted us saying uh, to add to the middle class rugby um, at Harlequins they were they were at the Quins game and noticed an advert in the toilets for Hunter Wellies with the caption the ultimate rubber protection um, nice. And Neil Clifton followed it up and said, "Surely they don't need them because they can park their cars right outside these. Their Maseratis right outside these days." Exactly. Yeah. Quite right. I just want to go. I just want to revisit yeah. that actually because um, if you are listening and you own a Maserati and you want to take us to a game, one of my life goals now is to go to a Quinn's game in a Maserati. <laughs> so if you are that man or woman, of course, and you want to lend or drive me to a Quinn's game in your Maserati, please get in touch. That'd be good fun. Yeah, uh, me. Yeah, well, me. mate, I, I, that, that's small fry for me now. I, I get flown to games in the Quinn's private jet, so <laughs> yeah. no, no biggie. <laughs> no biggie, eh? Hey? Um, yeah. The Diamond and, and I bumped into a uh, friend of the pod. So yeah, the Diamond Diamond. The friend of the pod and uh, and one of the guys that's been to every single one of our Tier 2 tours, uh, Ed Scott. Oh, fan. Nice. Him at the rec. Hi, Ed. He, he sends his regards. So when you go around when you go around these games, it's amazing how many cracking people and faces you you meet who we've met before in Madrid or um, Bucharest, Bucharest or wherever. Yeah, it's I, beautiful, I, beautiful thing. I purposely speak louder in hope that someone will recognise me. <laughs> you always talk loudly and ob- obnoxiously, <laughs> though. <laughs> um, what were we talking about? Yeah, we were trying to talk about uh, your boys Ulster. We were going to go on to my boys Ulster with a. 22-year-old average age for their back three, um, which, <laughs> even if you bring in their best back three player, um, it probably still wouldn't go up very much with stock if Stocker's returned. But a very yeah. young and inexperienced back, back three that, um, that Cartian Healy did exploit on occasion, but the cover defence was good enough. Um, and ultimately, and I am, I'm always surprised saying this, but ultimately... The pack, the pack that won it. Yeah, they the, did. The, 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 turn, the carrying, the turnaround in the Ulster pack, both, both the carrying, but the the defensive structure and set piece play has been quite incredible. And the the two tries probably fit in to go to two of the best players um, who 
have been missed or their kind of players have been missed for the last few years in Timoney and Kurtzia. Tell me if I'm being a bit harsh on these two teams, but it struck me as two very skillful but underpowered teams and then the one with slightly more power beat the team with slightly less power. They, well, look, like, they look, look like a mirror image of each other. It's, it's interesting. They're, they're both pretty well drilled, pretty well set up. And I said last week they were on 62 and 63 points, I think, in the league. So mm. they were they were evenly matched. Now, power is something you can only judge rev- relatively. Okay. So Ulster were marginally more powerful on the day than Connacht. But then Ulster were equally powerful when they played Leinster in the European Champions Cup quarter-final. They matched them up front. And there's very few teams that can actually do that. So I think maybe it's being a little bit harsh on Ulster to, to say they're, they're underpowered, certainly by, based on this performance, because you can only judge them based on what they were playing. And yeah. they, were, they were more powered than what is a, a very competitive yeah, I, I, I team. I thought Marcel Kurtzay was very good. I thought he was actually the key man to get you over the game line. And that, ultimately, that was, that, was, that was the big difference. But um, Henderson, obviously, is a, a big, strong boy. Um, Treadwell, who I've mentioned before this year, he has come on leaps and bounds. Well, uh, where, he's where, playing oh, really well. Now, where was he? Like Harlequin's reserves or something? Basically, yeah. And he, he's still only a young man. I think he's still only twenty-two or twenty-three. It shows that you just need the right opportunity. Yeah, abs- absolutely. And having an, an Irish mother helps. Helps. Um, so yeah, he's doing well. But the, the props as well. So there's a couple of young lads, um, Tommy O'Toole and O'Sullivan. Um, who have come in and they're performing well. So I, I wouldn't... Let's see how they get on against Glasgow mm. in two weeks' time. But what did you think of the coverage, Phil? Did you watch it, did you watch it live? <laughs> um, I've watched the highlights. I, wow. I have seen... I've seen bits of coverage that you sent through to me. What did you think of the coverage, Tim? You're, you're the professional around here? Didn't see it. Oh, do you not? Is no. it... Can't comment. Can't comment. And, and I would. Uh, and I, I would never. I would never criticise um, uh, someone else doing the same job anyway. Because uh, glass exactly. houses and uh, stones in glass houses. Yeah. Well. Very good, Tim. Maybe. Maybe we leave it there. Maybe leave it there. It's an interesting uh, decision to base your production around uh, Father Ted, though. <laughs> I mean, it's have a themed rugby production. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was, um, it was very in keeping. Very in keeping with the west, uh, the west, uh, west of Islanders. Yeah, making comment. If that is the case, which I'm not making the comment that it was. Oh God, what have we done? <laughs> can, can, can we edit all this out? <laughs> so, in two weeks' time, Ulster will travel to Glasgow, and Munster will travel to Leinster. I'm going to make one more point about these two. Um, okay, two semis. Okay, so. This, everyone talks about the amazing Munster fans, and I like Munster. Mostly because Tim hates Munster, right? But I don't hate Munster. What are you talking about? <laughs> kind of, a little Tim bit. definitely doesn't hate Munster. No, 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 no of course he doesn't. I think, I think there are a very small number oh, here of. We go. Here um, we go. Yes. Go no, on, there are a very small saying? number of very small number of uh, Irish fans uh, of the provinces. Well, Munster who <laughs> don't reflect the. Who do don't reflect the overall great nature and great um, manner of of the fans in general. Those, who are quite yeah. bitter. At, and those are the and actual. Are, those are the particular very, fans that I really like, actually. <laughs> those actual ones. Anyway, here's my point. My point is, I couldn't believe it that like Munster had 
a whole stand empty uh, against Benetton. Really? Yeah, and that is like a stadium. It's not like a football stadium which have co-opted. Um, it's their stadium, and they had a whole stand empty. Now, I don't know if it was refurb- being refurbished or what, but they just didn't have the people to fill it. Meanwhile, the Ulster Connacht game was absolutely so bouncing. Packed. Yeah, and it's just an interesting little. Did, did, innovation for you. did Benetton take many travelling funds? Because I'm just saying it's not that interesting. It's not that interesting, is it? When Benetton <laughs> probably had ten fans there. Well, I don't did, know. I mean, you Tim, assume someone would go. Tim, I said the uh, the pack strength is all relative, and interesting on this podcast is all relative because JB spent ten minutes before talking about a single refereeing decision in the sale game. It's a very interesting decision, though. So yeah. everything's relative. It's all relative. Uh, yes. Really. <laughs> so Ulster will be playing Glasgow and Munster travel to Leinster so basically Leinster should walk that and then bear in mind it's the week after the Champions Cup final it won't matter it uh, won't matter these derby matches never go to script or they don't always go to script yeah so be... we will we will review those in due course it would be staggering uh, but by the way how, how have you how have we been de- how, well, how, have you, how have you decided that Sale versus Bristol is is a higher billing than than playoff eliminate and other games with sides that could finish in the top four or top six. Well, it was eliminated. Sale got eliminated from the top four after that game, uh, <laughs> and it was to be honest, Tim. I wasn't really concentrating, and after two or three minutes, I thought it would be rude to try and interrupt <laughs> JB's flow. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> no, um, I get that. I understand. Um, just, just before we do, did you did you touch on Falau? Like, what is the latest there? Yeah, so I have sort of looked at this um, a lot, um, <laughs> and it's I th- from what I read, the Australian Rugby Union have offered him a million quid just to make the situation go away. Yeah, and he said no, which is really interesting. So that is interesting. Now, the the offer doesn't appear to be anything unusual. No. So rather than get both parties dragged through the mud and all the legal expenses, and all the rest of it, and all of the evidence come out and be made public. But what is it? I mean, the evidence is public. It's a social media post. Yes, but there's a lot of stuff behind the scenes. Like, the, the previous conversations with Raylene Castle and the ARU were not... People know about them. They don't yeah. know the ins and outs Can of I them. Can I just say, Raylene Castle. What a gloriously Australian name. Raylene. <laughs> She's good. She's a Kiwi. G- good speaker. Yeah. Oh, is she? She's a Kiwi. Wow. Yeah. Still, great name. Um... So yeah, that that is not that unusual. I do think it's interesting. I thought I was astonished that Falau appealed, um, and I'm astonished that he's turned that down because okay. it seemed like a good offer. But he must he must either be very bad badly advised, or he actually knows something. Yeah. Well, I think there there is a slight bit of context here where I, I genuinely believe, well, there's two things. There's one uh, he want he wants to play rugby. He does. Um, first and foremost, I think he wants to. He wants to play because he, he loves playing it. But secondly, he he's he genuinely. Again, I just think people have to remember this. He genuinely believes what he's saying, and he genuinely believes this is God's plan. And he genuinely believes uh, that he is um, following what, what God wants him to do. And so, a, a million quid. Two million quid, in, in, in to a degree, it kind of doesn't matter. I think I think he is that that entrenched. Well, people in his religious beliefs. 
so people are saying all sorts of things, and it's very interesting, this, because on the one hand, people are saying, um, oh, well, he can't be that religious. You know, if he, if he was that religious, he'd just walk, uh, walk, uh, walk away, but instead he's pay, using highly paid lawyers to, you know, go after the... the I know. Fine. But on the other and, hand, and they're like, saying, and they're saying, he's tur- and they're saying he's turned down a million quid, therefore he's greedy. Isn't that one of the seven deadly sins? Yeah, but hang on a minute. If we just flip that on its head... Um, I thought the the ARU were taking a moral stance. So what on earth are they doing offering him a million quid? So yeah. like, it does go both ways. Yeah. And the bit which I'm going to enjoy the most, comfortably the most, I'm really looking forward to this, if he was to win, there's a lot of people out there who their first their first line of defence, sort of like a politically correct, not politically correct, but the way they sort of got around not being able, you know, or not speaking on the subject itself, is say, well... He broke his contract, and therefore he deserves to go. But if it turns out that actually he didn't he break didn't, his contract, yeah, where do these people go then? I mean, there's a. I mean, I say interesting. It's basically like I, I just like I just like like the um, uh, sort of like a Schadenfreude. Yeah, I'm looking for <laughs> there's in their mind. A couple of things have a couple of things have come to my mind this week, which was. Um, Matthew Bastereau got a two-week ban, I think it was, for using a homophobic slur in a game that was caught on a ref mic. Yep. And so, so done in, a, in an aggressive, forceful, deliberate way at someone. And I think, well, I, I, again, I may have this wrong, so I apologise if my facts are incorrect on this. But I don't want to um, put, uh, put a, a, a bad mark against someone's name unfairly, but I think Will Skelton did the same. Oh, or something yes. very similar. Did he? Some, yeah, I know Denny was accused of it. Denny was accused, but he with got that, off, didn't With he? Adam Shulcock. Yeah. Um, Bastereau was definitely... They, now, there are definitely differences from Bastereau, um to this. One, he, he's never had a warning. So Bastereau's first time he got a, whatever it was, two-week, four-week ban, Israel Falau didn't get anything first time he got a slap on the wrist. And then he got a, I think a, a the, warning, and then second time is when... It the, will be interesting to know like how much the ARU... Try to keep everything quiet in order to keep Israel for because you know they've just lost their best player. They've lost Super Rugby's all-time top try scorer, and they're not in good shape anyway. How hard were they trying to say, Izzy? Please don't post anything. I mean, it's homophobic <laughs> because you want do whatever you want. Just don't not on social yeah, media. Please don't. And I think that could be quite damaging. I'm looking forward to seeing how it all pans out. Actually, <laughs> well, no. Well, the interesting thing about how it all pans out is is, and again, I'm, I'm making no. Um, I'm not saying what I think should or shouldn't happen. My point is, I think what's actually happened here when it comes down to it is, as you say, JB, you've sort of pointed out that the the ARU have sort of have, have made out that this is a moral point, and then they're going, they're offering money on something which they say is a moral point, where actually this is all financial. It all comes back to sponsors. It all comes back to defending financial positions. And the, the problem I have with that as, as a concept is it, it's wide open for abuse. You get a massive Twitter mob piling onto someone and you can, you, you well, you just watch where it goes. It's that, what's, what do they call it? The the um, the something window. Uh, Overton um, window. Where the, the Overton window, where it will shift yeah. and it will keep moving and it will keep moving. And if you leave it where um, it's, it's, it's based on money, it's based on um, a mob mentality on Twitter and things like that. It, it will it will shift and there will be other things. And the next time someone like Matthew Bastero, as he did, gets caught on a ref mic saying one thing, there will be a pile on because people know they can have an effect, they can get people sacked. It's happened in other industries and it, it will happen in rugby. So I would have liked ARU, the ARU to be consistently 
on a moral basis. And the fact you pointed out is exactly where my head was. It's like, I don't, why are they offering money? If this, well, this, is, so, this is not about money. Someone made, the, someone made the claim that they offered the money to save on legal expenses. So I did a quick calculation. They could, they could afford three of the top paid barristers in London, three of them for 300 and something hours each to work on this case. So it's definitely not legal fees that they're saving on. That's, uh, that's no, not that's not an not. enormous that's not an enormous amount when you when you consider the reputational damage. I I don't think the million pounds offering well, is a. I don't think it necessarily contradicts the moral position. Yeah, I say because, million because pounds. It's not a million pounds. It's million uh, Australian dollars. Australian which dollars, half, which is about half the amount. It's you know it's it's substantial. It's substantial it, 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 It's a substantial stuff, but it's it's it is also the reputational damage and just the the unnecessary. But, but the also the unnecessary distraction. Six months out from a World Cup, yeah, but like, it's well, reputational damage. I mean, what? It's already out there. No, but exactly. Yeah, I know. Exactly and, and, as and I said before. Was, Phil, Sorry. And what the offer was, Phil, was it for him to? Uh, the, the money was for him to effectively terminate his own contract. <laughs> is, that, right. is that why it's been badged? Well, that, that's that's fine. Yeah, well, that's, 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 that's effectively what they're doing because that's what this hearing is, as to see whether well, that, the the termination of his contract is is lawful. And they're saying you agreed to terminate your own contract, so we don't have to dissolve it. We'll give you a million dollars. Yeah, which is fine because it just makes everything go away. Yeah, because so what they want to do is make it go away. They they would love well, it. Well, if, if, if it was cut, if it was cut and dried, if it was cut and dried, and they are within their rights, and it's just, uh, as, ever, as you say, everyone's, everyone very quickly on Twitter and everything pivoted instantly to, it's just a, it's just a, a contract, it's a contract, yeah, it's a contract, it's an employment thing. Well, no, and I, so I think that that bit is interesting. Very interesting. And that. it wouldn't be the first time this year that a governing body has uh, lost a wrongful dismissal case. Why, what was the other one? Guy Noves was paid a million euros. Was he really? One, oh, one, yeah. One month ago, before his wrongful dismissal by the... someone in France... The French... Uh, ...is slightly more difficult than almost anywhere else in the world. Yeah, true. So, yes. Yeah. Um, right, well, uh, that's our, our our weekly legal roundup. Well, unless, unless you yeah. want to round it up some more. Well, I'm sure we're going to hear what, what the outcome of that is. It gets underway again tomorrow as we record this, doesn't it? Wonderful. Correct, well, yeah. Well, maybe now with the time. Who would, who would have thought it would be going into a third day, a third day on a, on a, on a, on a simple... On a simple um, contract termination point. Yeah, this it's bigger, it's bigger it, than the Miller inquiry. If if anything, I, I kind of knew this would not be simple, and it's also going to appeal. Apparently, no matter what, which way this goes, it'll be going to go, go into appeal according to experts. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me as well. Mm. Um, uh, right. Just very briefly, or very briefly, but very briefly, but on the same line, um, I think it's worth saying that that. Alex Lowe and Owen Slot from the Times did a great bit of work on the RFU Council, getting all oh, that detail amazing. about the. It was a brilliant bit of journalism. Yeah, it was. It was a fantastic read. I mean, yeah. Hang on, hang on, hang on, because I've got some very, very strong thoughts on on, <laughs> on this. But first, you're going to have to go and buy yourself a razor. Why? Because well, it funds everything. It makes it. It keeps the lights on in the rugby dungeon. Pay, pays for our uh, rugby trips. Yeah, like like the RFU Council's rugby trips. For every packet of razors that that, that you subscribe to. 
but it's me, Phil, and Simon Negroni. Think, think about that. <laughs> think about that. But not only that, they are they are they are excellent razors. Tim, uh, Tim knows the spiel about how much you get and all the rest of it, and they're relatively cheap. So go on to um, to Cornerstone. Was it Cornerstone.co.uk forward slash Egg Chasers? That is our landing page. Si- uh, sign up there, Correct. and uh, yeah, go treat yourself to some great razors. And you know, help us. Four quid, four four quid for six amazing razors and your free engraved weighty aluminium shaft that stands up on your shelf with your initials engraved onto it. Four quid, as you say, cornerstone.co.uk slash egg chasers. I would. Right. I would. <laughs> One day we'll explain that joke. Um, right. Okay. Um, RFU Council. Yeah. So great by Owens by Owen Slot and uh, Alex Lowe. What did you think? My first reaction was disappointed. Really? So, so, so briefly, the story. If if anyone missed it, it was it was a great um, little get for the times. But it was the the fifty five RFU councillors in a review of cuts to the organisation were asked to vote on their own expenses being cut. <laughs> I, I think there are there are there are various different cut levels, but that there as much as forty percent. Um, down to a sort of a lot of them about about the sort of fifteen to twenty percent level. The RFU council, when it came to cutting their own expenses, their trips on Six Nations away, staying in nice hotels, having having food, dinners, flights, and everything, they would they would at the very most cut the equivalent of six percent of their of their jollies. <laughs> so yeah, but so my first reaction was disappointed. My second reaction was, well, if they're if they are supposed to be influencing and running the RFU. They need to be involved and they need to be travelling. So maybe it's not as bad as it seems. Like, no one would no one would expect Tim, if Tim was working at the Bath Wasps game, no one would expect him to not travel, to have to pay for his own uh, ticket to get into the ground. But agreed. The, but what about what about my what about my wife coming as well? And yes. what about me spending three nights three nights at the at, at the posh yes. hotel in Bath before yes. a game? Yeah, some that, of these hotels. I mean, my mouth is drooling. Yeah, that's where it does get a bit ridiculous. That sh- even like you could have a fifty percent reduction in the extravagance and the length of these things. It would save thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands over a season, and it wouldn't significantly or doesn't appear to significantly affect their ability to do their role so uh, i am I, a, a bit uh disappointed it, it's a it's a really tricky one right because a club basically is run by its old boys and these are just the old boys of england i mean it gets a bit messy because of course it's the national team and this and the other and i think we've sort of elevated the rfu to they shouldn't just be putting out an england team but they should be you know, running all of our coaching sessions and providing us with tackle bags and painting the pitches and you know doing what do, do, you know and and doing whatever. But fundamentally, it is just a rugby team and rugby. You know, rugby clubs have committees and the whole point of becoming an old boy is to join something like the RFU Council. I mean, when I read that, I thought one day I will be an old boy worthy of that sort of you know that 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 sort of treatment. The other thing as well is. These cuts are very. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. No one's saying uh, like when when things were plentiful and the the cut runneth over and every budget was was being you know uh, raised every year. 
Then yeah. I, I think everyone's no one's saying no one had a problem with it. But it's in the context. It's in context. It's when it's when you're cutting every other budget well, by X, Y, Z, and, and you I, refuse to cut. And you refuse to cut your own. It, it's, yeah. it's like um, it's like it's like communist Russia. Like well, the, yes, it's like, an, it's, like, it's like Animal Farm, George Orwell. Yeah, some are more equal than others, right? I, I get that. And yeah. also, it is it is during a period of significant upheaval. The, all the cuts are coming in because the RFU has been losing money yeah. because it's been mismanaged and. Uh, it's in not as strong a financial position as it should be being the world's biggest richest union. Yeah, so uh, one of the things that made me think, actually, and it isn't directly linked, but we are getting, all rugby clubs are getting rather reliant on, you know, RFU handouts. And I thought, like, well, surely we should be focusing more on, you know, should our clubs be sustainable without the RFU sending out, like, centralised grants? You know, I just thought mm, maybe we should be looking a little bit closer to home. You know, if you can't afford your rugby pitch or, you know, you want to build a new clubhouse or some such thing, maybe you should look at raising the money yourself rather than waiting for the RFU to, you know, hand, uh, 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 hand over some cash. Um, the problem they've got... Well, OK, well, I, I could sort of... I can just just to counter that very very briefly. So some of the costs, for example, are the cost of travelling um, uh, large distances in some cases, depending on the league. Yeah. And, and but that's as a direct result of the structure that the RFU have. And and, and that, that's yeah, I think fine. that's exactly exactly yeah. as you say. So that's fine. So so cutting that sort of thing, actually, the RFU could be cleverer and make things more sustainable by by regionalising it up into a higher level, for example. But no, and, and there's all sorts of inventive like, ways you can do that. Like referees, I mean, you know, they need to be trained. I mean, there, there are some really, really bad cuts. Um, the problem the RFU have got, from an optics point of view, is this is the RFU council. They are in charge of running... Well, is it? it's not running the game, is it? It's, the, it's an overseeing body. And if they'd have just said... Yeah, the RFU Council, it is the ultimate all-boys club. It's great fun. We're going to go away for three <laughs> nights. I think I'd give them a pass. But the fact is, they try and... It's the hypocrisy of this sanctimonious position that we are going to be the overseers of all things rugby and make sure it's run uh, supremely well. That's where they run into problems. They should just have, they should just have modelled the thing as an all-boys club and that'll be it. I don't know. <laughs> I think, I, you might have given them a pass. I think a lot of other people wouldn't have. Oh, you're just going on a jolly, you're not well, trying to sort stuff out. Yeah, exactly, because, I mean, that's yeah. what a rugby club is. The, it's just a bunch of men and women uh, doing jollies. That, that's what all the old boys do when they go down Tock H or Broughton Park. Or, you know, and everyone loves it. It's just on a huge scale because it's England. Yeah, I'm not sure that would have washed, washed well, with uh, most people. Good. No. Good. No, and I think it's worth, it's worth pointing out to anyone listening, if you've got a local rugby club, Life is full of what-ifs, some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry, and some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs, no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And this is something you, you sort of, you're interested in. You can find out who your councillor is because the 55 people on the council represent each of the constituent is bodies that of the right? counties effectively. Around the around England, right. so they're voted in, and they can be and they can be voted out. So presumably, I, and I don't know this, but Wait, I would guess what? that the reason this story got to the, the reason this story got to the newspapers is because some of the people who had a more reasonable position on this that we should have cuts that are in line with the rest of the organisation probably were a bit cheesed off with the with the guys who were refusing to. Tim, I, I, yeah. I, this has been educational. I had no idea about any of that. So. There's a member per region, is that correct? Or or per county or, or something. I'm not exactly sure how it works. I think it's done by county. Okay, you'll probably get the the drift of where we're going with this. And I can get voted onto this thing. <laughs> I mean, we've got a role. Theoretically, yes. How does one plot a path to get onto the RFU council? And could we use our platform to get me on that council? Because I, I tell you what... I, I could in, I could enjoy those various Negronis as much as anyone. <laughs> but I mean, we, we'd all go for a region, couldn't we? Sure, why not? Well, well, why don't we set up an actual, like a proper political campaign? Now you've mentioned that as well, I think these cuts are way... 6% is ridiculous, it's way too deep. Yeah, it's it, far it, too deep. It should have been a 15% rise. Yeah, because, you know, we've got to go yes. out there. Agreed. Agreed. Shotgun, shotgun, uh, Greater Manchester. You can have Cheshire, JB. I'll, I'll take Cheshire. Phil, you you're from, you're from... I'll, I'll take... Yeah, you can have Lancashire, Phil. Okay, yeah, perfect. How hard can it be? I mean, all we need to do is get the votes. I mean, I did this for second team captaincy. I just got my mates into the room to vote for me and got second team captaincy. <laughs> so it can't, it can't, it's got to be roughly a similar sort of principle. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I, I want to be on sure, the council. Yeah. Right, there we go. File that one away for... for... <laughs> For one of our projects. <laughs> JB 2020. <laughs> uh, uh, how, like, how long's the term? In, uh, for life. Once you're on. Uh, a life appointment. <laughs> like like a supreme justice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, amazing stuff. Um, shall we talk about yeah. some more rugby? Anyone for more rugby? Yes, I think we should. So I think we should. Any other games you want to particularly cover? So there I would was... like Tim to tell me a little bit about Bath Wasps because you're at that one. I yeah. always like to hear the games. Fantastic game of rugby! Fantastic game of rugby. I um, I did have a. So I'll let you in on a little bit. So I, I interviewed Todd Blackadder before the game. Okay. I didn't think I was going to have another Todd Blackadder moment, but I was called up late because uh, Craig Doyle was ill. Yes. So um, that, that meant I got another little moment with Todd Blackadder. So uh, when, when I finished the, the the pre-game chat with him. I, uh, I just said, Todd, look, before you go, um, if you win, I probably won't get to chat to you afterwards. And uh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to let you in on the conversation. But basically, I, it was, you know, I, I let Todd know how I felt. Wow, I let Todd know how I felt. Did you see Toby Booth's yeah. uh, tweet? No. Yes, 
I did. That, that was that was that was kind of bittersweet, wasn't it? Yeah. He was. Uh, he's clear. He's clearly. He's clearly very proud of his time at Bath, but hurting. Well, the reason I, it was very Toby Booth. That's what I would say. In terms of, he's quite a deep thinker, and you could read that as one or two ways when you could look at it quite bitter. Or, but I think it's just an honest tweet. I think it's just like honestly how he felt. Yeah. And you know, going to yeah, evaluate. I think you're right. Uh, yeah. But as for the game, as for the game, absolutely cracking, cracking game. Two two teams that, and I thought that some nerves might have got in here because it was make or break for the two teams. If Bath lost, then they were very likely to miss out on top six. Yeah. And if Wasps, um, if Wasps lost, they miss out on their their shot at top four and potentially. Um, a, a staring down the barrel for a top six spot in Champions Cup rugby so it was make or break but they both really gave it a crack and played some brilliant rugby I, I was I was absolutely devastated at the decision uh, to disallow Josh Bassett's try that which was a try that did look like a try for all the world yeah it was a try it and was, it was an unbelievable try as well it was definitely a try so uh, yeah, I'm I'm still staggered that that decision. And I know Tim, when you interviewed uh, Dai Young afterwards, he was staggered and not particularly happy about the disallowing of that try. Um, no, well, Todd, Todd Blackadder said it was a try as well. Yeah, because so, Lover Lover Blavu. So there's there's all the motion stuff, and there was a line on the pitch, but Lover Blavu ended up three yards in front of where the ball was caught by Bassett. So even if the, even if the ball marginally travelled forward, the hands went backwards. Yeah, it's a, it's, it and it was like momentum that carried it maybe millimeters, maybe a few inches forward. So uh, yeah, that that was disappointing. But what's got a couple of other cracking tries? These two they teams, did. right, can do none of the basics in in, in rugby, like zero. Like <laughs> rocking is rubbish. You know, you know, basic scrimmaging is pretty poor. You know, a lot of what they do is terrible. But then the complex stuff, they find easy. Like, so, like, that Love the Belovu pass was unreal. Unreal. What, well, the one after his, his step, step and break? His step for that first try, oh. Um, yeah. yeah, step and then power through. Was it Tom Ellis he powered through? Oh, and by the way, he's available to sign, yeah. should anyone want him. Lover, lover, I know. Yeah, he's uh, he's gone at the end of the season. Um, I thought he was absolutely brilliant. Uh, have you ever been done by one of those passes? What the like the the, like over, the over the back of the shoulder type? No, no, they're sort of like they're going to dummy wide. They look wide, but they pop oh, the, sorry, the, sorry. You're uh, talking about the, the, oh yeah, the, the, no, the no look pass where he looked like he was passing it back to Rob Miller and just popped it up to Nathan Hughes. Yeah, yeah. oh, that was gorgeous. We, we we used to have a guy at Broughton Park who could do that perfectly, and it get it get me every time. Oh oh oh! Hello, Tim. Hello. Hello. Sorry, I activated Hello? my my Bixby by accident. Then. Um, <laughs> yeah, and he used to get me every time with it. It's one of the most frustrating things. But it's just <laughs> when executed as well as that, it's a it's a thing of wonder. Yeah. Also, I love Zach. I love Zach Mercer. At one point, yeah. uh, when Bath were making their comeback, he did a he he uh, caught the ball above his head, faked a pass through the legs like a Fijian kind of. Yeah. Um, he, he dummy. He did. A, I've never seen a dummy pass with someone pretending to do the 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 pass back between their legs and then ran forward. He was awesome. There was something like thirty carries he did. In yeah, that match. he seems to be always on the ball. Yeah, his volume of carrying is almost as impressive as his carrying. He's really so yeah. he's he's twenty one now. Bloody hell! 20, twenty two in the summer. He is one of those players who he does seem to be filling out a bit more. Yeah, but 
he doesn't. He might have lost a little bit of pace. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have said so. I don't, I'm not so sure about that. He seems what, what I will say is that. What, what, yeah, he yeah, seems. I, I, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. He's still athletic, but yeah. um, the, the way he talks is the most impressive thing about him. He, he's a back <laughs> captain. Like maybe next year. No, I'm not even joking. Maybe next year he could be back captain. Oh, so, sorry, I, I thought you were referring to his thick Yorkshire accent, Tim. <laughs> Because that, no, that was, no, no, no. I, I wasn't, because I know, obviously he's been, I, I knew he was born in Yorkshire, but he's got um, New Zealand heritage. I, I thought he, he would speak like a New Zealander, does he yeah. not? He's, he's old man, no, he, when when Tim, you had the pleasure of interviewing him on the pitch after the game, uh, he was Yorkshire. Uh, I did the, the Phil Ladd. Wow. <laughs> totally Yorkshire. I think because of the way he plays as well, I expect him to have a Kiwi accent. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It just would fit. Yeah. Oh, Excellent. He's uh, so impressive the way he carries himself and talks. He's he's got captain all over him. He, he's like a, he's yeah. going to be a very young captain of Bath, and well, you know a few, he, he's another potential future England captain. They they say the same thing about Charlie Yules. I mean, I think Charlie Yules he has captained the team one, like once or twice. Uh, um, yeah. Oh, he was captain at the weekend. Oh, yeah, more, yeah, more definitely more than once or twice. I mean, they absolutely love him there. They think he's he, he is proper yeah. captain cup, material. Well, he was the under twenties captain, wasn't he? Yes. The, year, the year before Marrow. So, I think there is something to that. What you say to him about how they carry themselves, because there's a load of good young players in the Premiership. Like you know, they're everywhere. But the ones that are right at the top of the game, like the guys in and around the England camp, uh, I'll give. Um, my experience with Ted Hill, for example. I think to be right at the top, you can't just be a great player. You've got to be a really switched-on person too. Very rarely can you get to the top just through pure talent. Oh, t- yeah. Talent is not enough. Yeah. Talent is definitely mm-hmm. categorically not enough. You have to have all the talent plus all the other things as well. And that's basically how you end up in England. It depends what you mean by those other things. Because I think kind of speaking well and eloquently is not necessarily one of them. Well, it's, uh, for instance... But the, when, you've, got to have, you've got to have the top two inches and you've got to have the drive and the hard work. Yeah, but it's like how you prepare yourself, you all, know, what your priorities in life are. All, all that absolutely right. But just as an example, Owen Farrell, who is captain England, he's not a particular... Well, he's certainly not an outgoing, open speaker. No, he's not. He, he's very. You see him in interviews. He's very close. And he, he comes across as quite introverted, but he is. He's got all of the other things in terms of like the drive, the way the way he prepares, the mental preparation, the physical preparation. He's got yeah. every every other box you don't have to tick. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, uh, what did you think of the, that last minute by by Bath? I thought it was incredibly impressive. Well, it was great. Well, 19 unanswered points and uh, what, three tries is seven minutes. But I love the fact they went for it with the, well. went for the bonus point. Yeah. yeah. The, the commentators, I think there's Austin in the, in the box. Like, what are you doing? And they backed themselves. They, you know, did the job. It, it, it was great to see. Yeah, that, that was very impressive. But it's the flip side of it is Wasps, who were 17-10 up at one point and, and should have been 24-10 up, to lose it uh, with six minutes to go, they were in the lead. Mm. To lose yeah. from that position yeah. is very frustrating for Wasps. Um, and it's it's interesting because I think you I think you referenced this Tim uh, on BT Sport, but Bath have lost plenty of those games this season where it's gone down to the wire. And last year, 
And, and last year, yeah. Um, so it's quite nice for them to kind of have the tables turned for once. Yeah, Bathurst on my shortlist to make top four ne- ne- uh, next year. I know that's not a massive shout. <laughs> yeah. Is your shortlist 12 teams long? Yeah. Uh, it is. It is. It is. Yeah. I just... Well, I tell, I tell you who's on my. I tell you who's on my, on my shortlist on the strength of Nathan Hughes's performance. Bristol. Yeah. Because there are very, very few players who can do what he can do, and you had Dave Atwood in the engine room as well. You've got some big men added to what Bristol have already got. They are high quality players and in a high quality coaching environment too. That is some uh, more. I mean, I, I, I might have mentioned before that I don't think Wasps are particularly well coached. Imagine what. Imagine what a really good coaching unit could get out of Nathan Hughes putting him in the right situations. Scary. Yeah. Well, I I think that um, Wasps' game plan has always been um, set around Nathan Hughes the last few years. And actually, I think it's mainly Nathan Hughes' mental approach. I think someone, whether it's Di Young, Eddie Jones, or a combination of both, clearly gave him a kick up the backside a few weeks ago. And he's been excellent recently. Eddie Jones was um, at the game, was he not? Uh, Steve Balfour it was. Which which game did Eddie go to then? He, he was at a game this week. I have no idea. He, he tends I have no to, idea. But... Tend to get to at least one. But, yeah. Sorry, go on, Tim. But, but can, no, can, can you... Like, have you got your head around where this leaves the Premiership table going into round 22? Yeah, basically, it's a straight shoot up between Northampton. Uh, Northampton Quinns as to who can get fourth. Technically... Yes, Correct. Technically, Bath could do it as well. Saints, I think. Saints who go to Exeter. Saints go to Exeter. One point ahead of Quinns who goes to Wasps. Sorry, Bath C- can't correct. go. Can't get top four. It's just Quinns and Northampton. Yeah. Yes. He goes because, to, because of the number of wins. Correct. Yeah. Is it obvious points different first? No wins first. Ooh, there you go. And Bath can't win two games with one game left. Is, is that is that? <laughs> that is, I've checked. I've run the numbers a couple of times. Okay. Uh, and they they can't. There's always to be wrong on air. That's all. Um, <laughs> but yeah, then, North. So, I, I, the, 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 I, it's, it's the champ. It's the, it's the final. It's the. It looks. It looks largely like um, if Queens get a bonus point, then they they'll get um, at least a Champions Cup spot. Um, they have to beat. Say they have to better Saints by two league points mm. to get the the top four spot. And yes. then it's all down to sixth and seventh because uh, seventh place will go to well. The, the, it, the, there will be a seventh spot available if Sale finish. Uh, there will be Sarah's a seventh spot available because of the twenty, tw- the final Champions Cup. Got you. So yeah, the, the, the battle if, for uh, sixth. Is... If Saracens... Yeah, if Saracens win, isn't it? Yeah, the battle for sixth is pretty savage. Um... I think the more interesting one for me is the permutations for the top four, because it's strongly my view that if Gloucester and Northampton go to the top four, those are two of the most dangerous playoff teams I think I've I've seen in a long, long time. Uh, more dangerous than when Saracens finished fourth and won the thing? No, not that dangerous. No, no, <laughs> no that, not that dangerous. That, that was pretty dangerous. But that was um, the year Bath got to the final, right? Yeah, twenty fifteen. So, I want to say a long time ago now. Yeah, it, it's a few years ago. Um, but also, Wasps finished top of the table a few years ago, didn't they? Two or three years ago. Yeah. So, I mean, I always think of, like, extra stars as well. They're always going to be there, yep. sort of thing. That, that terribly coached team finished top of the table. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, they, with with zero basics as well, I think you remember, JB, uh, saying. Yeah. Z- zero hey, rookie well, or line-outs or look, anything. They've lost, uh, they've, they've lost Danny, and look where they are now. 
It's all about Danny. And look where Danny is. I mean, I, you know, if I was if I was Gloucester, I would seriously consider trying to throw this game against Sale so I can finish fourth. Because I think they... They, they can't. They're ten points clear know, in fourth place. I know, I know, I know, and I, I, I've, f- run, I've run the numbers on that as well. Yes, go on. You can't lose ten points in one game. Uh, they should really feel... Is that right? Is that Egg Chase is exclusive? Egg Chase is exclusive. You I, cannot lose ten league points... In one single what game. What if they fielded Tyson Keats or something? Well, actually, yeah, uh, maybe they could. They would have to, yeah, field ineligible players and pay them lots of money to breach their salary cap. Yeah, yes. Get me Tyson on the phone. <laughs> um, so, be- because if they if they end up fourth and play Exeter, and I do not think Gloucester fear Exeter one bit. I think they've got their number all day long. That said, it bodes well for them. If they can get like a lucky break against the Saracens, going into the final, I'd actually have Gloucester's slight, fa- slight favourites. Going against Saracens? Or no, going, well, oh, sorry. going into the final. We'll go, no, well, JB, JB, the more likely... The, the, you don't even have to worry about that potential because Saracens can finish top again. Oh. Ah, oh, yeah, cool. that. Of course, because Saracens, uh, well, a second-string Saracens team hammered a second-string Exeter team, 38-7. Oh, Christ, so, yeah. Making the difference in the league table, four points. So if Exeter pick up zero points and Saracens get at least four points or five points to one point, then Saracens' superior points difference and equal win, well, no, we'll have a superior win record. Yeah. So they'll they'll finish top. Yeah, that's interesting. I, yeah, because I hadn't thought that. Because a few weeks ago, it was pretty much set in stone that the Exeter will be finishing top. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Yeah, so here's the other thing, right? If that does happen, Saracens meet Northampton, whatever they're going to meet them, right, whether it be final <laughs> or the semi, the fact that Northampton have been absolutely battered by Saracens so many times. So many times. Like, humiliated, embarrassed, ridiculed. Yeah. It strikes me as that Northampton could beat Saracens because that's no. just how... No. Maybe that's just how the world works, Phil. No. When you've been that embarrassed that many times. I'm not having it. Well, that's exactly why it, exactly why it, um, why it should happen. When it's so much of a foregone conclusion, that, that that's when it's dangerous. But we've got to wait two weeks before we know mm. the... The full permutations and the final round. Why? Why? What happens in the interim? There's a, a couple of little games next, okay. next weekend. I'm listening. There is a, a very small tournament called the Champions Cup. Wow, the Heineken Champions Cup, and that is taking place next Saturday. Awesome. So, is it the same? Um, is it the same sort of format? Friday night kickoff, then Saturday kickoff. I think it is, isn't it? Uh, let me just check that. Everything right there, yeah, Phil? F- Friday, Friday, seven forty-five, and Saturday, five o'clock. No. no, I really don't care about the Friday night kickoff. Two French teams. I mean, it'll be exciting if if I'm in front of a TV, I will watch it. But you know, the fact it's two French teams and the rest of it sort of takes away a little Should bit. We, of are, we, are we uh, are we doing a pre- are we doing a preview special or are we? Uh... I think we should do a uh, ECC. MWP. Okay. Um, okay, fine. Do you want to just give yeah, a quick reason on this now or just leave it? Just leave it. Leave it. Leave it. There you go. We'll we do it in a bit more depth and it will drop into your feed right when you're least expecting it on Wednesday morning. Yes. yes. Slide into your <laughs> feed. Direct DF. 
direct feed. Direct feed, yeah. Okay, fine. Uh, right, well, that's yeah. it. Then we're all finished. We're all done. Any other business? Any other business, Sim? Um, just that um, the Cotswolds are unbelievably posh. There you go. That's one. Yep. That's why you hang out there. I too. drove past. Uh, I, I, it's not a BT Sport money. <laughs> driving back. <laughs> who, 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 I, I basically, I, 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 who lives better, oh. members of members of BT Sports or the RFU Council? <laughs> this is, it's, it's basically a coin flip, isn't it? <laughs> uh, so I, I, I crashed with a mate um, who lives lives in the, the just just. Just inside the Cotswolds, near, near a little 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 village somewhere near Stroud, and um, he, he took me for a, he took me for a bike ride. He, he does this always off road biking, so he took me for a ride and lent me his spare bike. And, uh, and we, we drove through Princess Anne's back garden, effectively. Oh, which, um, how, how is Princess? Oh, it's all right. By the way, it's a boy. <laughs> now that doesn't sound too important until you realise that boy is probably going to grow up as a be a patron of one of the unions because Harry is. Ah, uh, yeah. So, you know, that's a, that's a genuine rugby birth. So are you looking for connections for um, the council membership? Yes, gig? exactly, exactly. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess, because is Harry... Smart. Is Harry with the Welsh Rugby Union? Uh, I don't is know. He, they're, they're is he not the patron? He might be. Because William is the patron of England. England. So I assume George at some point is going to be patron of England. And I assume that well, whatever this one's called will be. Is it not the other way around because he's a prince of Wales? No, it's the other way around because he's a prince of Wales. I think Harry. Uh, I think. No, weirdly, sure? it's not. Yeah, I'm definitely think I'm sure. <laughs> Hang on, definitely not 100 percent confident. Sh- Ooh, uh, well, William is definitely the patron of the RFU. I've just been on their website looking at how to become the. Um... Yeah. Okay. Cool. But I don't think Harry is. No, you always see structure. Harry in an England shirt. Yeah. That's, that's what I think. Yeah. Um, organisational structure, HRH, Prince Harry of Wales. Henry of Wales. Prince Henry? Who's Prince Henry? Is that Harry? Uh, does, does Harry go... Is Henry Henry going by Harry? I have... I think he does. William! Hang on. No. Huh? Who the hell's <laughs> Prince Henry? Hang on, this needs to be investigated further. No, it, uh, Prince Prince Scandal. Harry... Is this Henry right there, or, or, a, or a few website? Yeah, Henry Charles Albert, ha- Henry Charles Albert David Windsor is Harry. So he, he's called Henry, but he goes by Harry. There you go. I Never- feel deceived. Yeah, I do as well. This is this is this is this is more of a plot twist than anything in Game of Thrones, isn't it? <laughs> isn't it just? And by the and by the way, just I, I'm disappointed how many having watched Game of Thrones. I'm disappointed how many uh, royal children are legitimate these days. Exactly. <laughs> well, are they? Are they? they, Tim? Are they? That's a great question. Do, do we need a Jeremy Kelsey <laughs> style DNA test? Yes. Hold on. So Prince Harry. Yes, he, he's not called Harry at all. Yeah, Prince Henry. That's an absolute outrage. So this 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 <laughs> new lad that we've got on the block. Yeah. Oh, hang on, that wouldn't work, would it? Because it'd be because like his branch of the tree just disappears now. It's all about William's branch. So if William has another boy, they will effectively be the next. Uh, yeah, yeah. So you know this one's this, this this one's useless. This one's pointless. Unless there's some kind of uh, devastating accident. Yes. 
Yes. Right, so let's, uh, let's stop that until <laughs> you won't get arrested or, or, or investigated. Uh, okay, so, um, yeah, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, um, all those things. If you want to get involved with JB2020, uh, please do. Uh, hashtag JB2020 on, on, um, on Twitter. Get me on the council. And uh, until next someone, Wednesday... Someone, please, if someone, is good at fo- if someone is good at Photoshop, please, let's have some... Let's set out a, a Photoshop challenge for, uh, for uh, a campaign poster. Let's do it. I'm going to put these posts up in every Northwest club that I visit. <laughs> Let's do it. Um, what was I going to say? Yeah, Facebook or on YouTube. Uh, don't go on Facebook. We, we're never really there. Um, Twitter. Uh, and on Wednesday, you'll be having our EPC, what, MWDP yeah. type thing. So there you go. So from me, Phil, and Tim, let the boys play.